Politics, sports, movies. You are listening to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Twitter. Twitter. Check out Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast at Bend Your Ear Pod. Instagram at Bend Your Ear Pod. www.letmebendyourear.com. Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank and I am the host of the show and happy you can join and listen. If you listened to previous episodes, thank you for coming back. If this is the first time you're listening, welcome, and I hope you will enjoy the show and continue to be a listener. This podcast discusses three topics, movies, sports, and politics. Each episode will be dedicated to one of these topics. Today's show will center on movies. The show is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and CastBox under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on any one of these podcast apps so you can receive new episodes direct to your device when they become available. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. This is a very important and simple way you can help the show reach a wider audience. You can also always get the show from our website, www.letmebendyourear.com. In today's episode, I'm going to review the Damien Chazelle film, First Man, starring Ryan Gosling. This originally was going to be just a one-off episode where I review First Man, and then I would move on to the next episode with a different topic as normal. But as I was watching First Man, I was reminded of two other movies that I actually enjoyed very much that dealt with the United States space program, one being The Right Stuff, written and directed by Philip Kaufman, and Apollo 13, directed by Ron Howard. So what I'm going to go ahead and do is make this episode part one of three entitled Movies in Space. I would have preferred to review The Right Stuff first because it's in chronological order. That would have made more sense since The Right Stuff deals with the Mercury 7 astronauts, the original seven. Then First Man moves into Gemini and then into Apollo. And then, of course, Apollo 13 is strictly that particular space flight to the moon. Uh, But since I did not have access to the right stuff yet, I do have it now, so I'll watch it at some point this week. Um, I've already watched First Man, so I'm gonna go ahead and review that movie first and make that part one of three. So again, hopefully you'll enjoy this uh, little series on movies in space, and we'll go ahead and review First Man. Gonna be discussing today the 2018 Damien Chazelle film, First Man, which chronicles the journey of Neil Armstrong leading up to his mission on Apollo 11, which was the first lunar landing. And of course, everyone knows he was the first man to walk on the moon. I wanted to see this film originally in theaters. I wasn't able to do so, so I've seen it uh, now on uh, DVD, so... I was happy I was able to finally check out this movie. So let's go uh, start about the cast. So we've got uh, a cast of Ryan Gosling, Claire Foy, Jason Clark, Kyle Chandler, Corey Stoll, Patrick Fugit, Syrian Hines, and Pablo Schreiber, among others in this large cast. Uh, The first thing I noticed in the cast, and you'll see as I review The Right Stuff and Apollo 13 in subsequent episodes, I found watching those movies beneficial in this particular movie because uh, obviously you're going to have some of the same characters in each of these movies as they're detailing the same 
part of the space program. In the case of First Man, it deals with Gemini and Apollo. So you have some characters that are familiar from, uh, especially in my case, Apollo 13, uh, such as Jim Lovell, who was the pilot of Apollo 13. Deke Slayton, who in Apollo 13 was in charge uh, of the astronauts. Uh, so a lot of crossover, obviously, with dealing with the same characters when you're telling the true story. Uh, this particular story of First Man opens with Neil Armstrong performing his duties as a test pilot in the Mojave Desert in California. And one thing that this movie does incredibly well is, and I think even better than something like Apollo 13, uh, is really show the claustrophobia of being a test pilot uh, pretty much in every scene in this movie that involves space flight uh, there is a definite sense of claustrophobia you see the antiqueness of the instrumentation that's one of the things that struck me obviously this movie takes place in the early to mid 60s so the instrumentation on the uh, either the lunar capsule or on any airplanes or things that they're testing you can just see the crudeness of it and it's makes it all that more amazing that they were able to accomplish what they accomplished with the rudimentary things that they had to work with uh, just as a tribute to them but like i said there's several scenes in this movie and that's when the movie's at its most effective when it it dramatizes the chaos the things that can go wrong in space flight and or test uh piloting spacecraft for flight in the future there is a underlying sense of tragedy in this movie that i think is a is a kind of a through line through it all uh, the movie opens early on with the death of neil armstrong's young daughter to a tumor and uh you know that's sadly conveyed early in the movie and that kind of informs a lot of neil armstrong's actions after that uh, as a person and i'm not an expert on neil armstrong but the things i have read about him he was a very quiet very humble man very accomplished i think the movie shows him as both ambitious but even keeled and level-headed i think you will notice as the movie progresses uh, that serves him well in what he does but also uh, when it comes to his family is kind of uh, a drawback uh, as the relationship with his wife Janet uh, is a good relationship and I think it's portrayed as a strong one but I do think they do show a lack of I don't know I want to say communication but I think he's not a very communicative person she I think understands that about him uh, but it still does create some issues uh, there's a especially uh, moving scene later in the film when he is getting ready to go to the moon and he's trying to basically sneak out of the house without talking to his sons uh, to let him know that he's going and his wife basically makes him sit down and discuss this with them specifically the chance that he may never return and that's something that she makes him do and that she tells him rightfully so that he owes to his sons that explanation uh, so I think, like I said, this movie, uh, and what I, I kind of liked about it too, I, I do think it really shows you the inherent danger of space travel, and it's something that I think we take for granted nowadays, but I think we forget, and these movies do a good job on varying degrees of reminding us that what these men did, what, what NASA did, was 
very, very dangerous. And uh, there was a price to pay in casualties. And they do address the death of Gus Grissom and Ed White and Roger Chaffee in the test for Apollo 1. So there was a pre-flight launch test. Uh, the three of them were in the capsule. Uh, there was a mishap in the capsule and a fire broke out and there was an explosion in the capsule and all three of the astronauts were killed. Now this is a, an event in the movie that, like I said, underscores the uh, tragedy and dangerous nature of what they're doing. Uh, those are not the only deaths in the movie, but if you've watched Apollo 13, the, the death of those three astronauts in Apollo 1 uh, were briefly touched on, but uh, in this movie it's given a lot more weight and obviously that's a turning point for Apollo. Uh, obviously, they had to recover from that, rebound from that. And there's another great scene where this tragedy has happened while Neil Armstrong is at the White House uh, there to schmooze members of Congress to get continued NASA funding. And of course, Neil Armstrong is really not the schmoozing type, and he gets the call and just matter-of-factly goes back to get to work uh, to try to get back on track. They touch upon, the movie does touch upon slightly, because there's always the debate in regards to NASA, and I've even had varying opinions on that, is is it worth spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to travel into space, to go to, whether it's the moon or Mars, to go to places where there's no one there, nothing there, when there's plenty of things at home that need to be addressed. Uh, they do address that someone in this movie. They couch it with the late 60s protests. Obviously, the civil unrest in the United States is very clear. They they couch it in kind of a call to arms for minorities and other people that are marginalized as to challenging why all this money is being spent. So they kind of touch upon it a little bit. They don't really dwell on it. I think it's just something that they put in for context to make sure that the political unrest of the time was captured in the film. I don't think it was really needed. I think it's a well-known fact that the late 60s in the United States were a very unsettled time between the Vietnam War and war protest at home and uh, racial unrest. So I think that's something that's either, it almost seemed like it was shoehorned in where either they needed to address it on a deeper level or just ignore it completely and just really focus on the space program itself. So um, that's probably a little bit of a drawback of the movie. I don't have an issue with it being addressed, but I think it's almost kind of thrown in there as opposed to maybe more deeply explored. So obviously, I don't know if that's a decision that maybe there's a director's cut of the movie that addresses it more and maybe it was cut or that was the director's intention the entire time. Uh, so like I said, that's something that's a, a minor part of the movie. So again, I really like this movie a lot. I think it's very uh, contemplative. I think it's very inward looking. Uh, and I think that's because of the story that it's telling specifically of Neil Armstrong, who was a very introverted, quiet, stoic, non-communicative person in a lot of uh, ways. And I do think uh, the movie does a good job. And, you know, and obviously anything like this, there's always going to be dramatic licenses taken. And, and it's not a documentary on Neil Armstrong. It's a dramatic retelling of of his life uh, specifically around the time of the space program but what I what I took from it in watching the movies I enjoyed the fact that I think the leaders of NASA in looking at Neil Armstrong chose him for two very important missions because of his demeanor and his way of not being rattled in any situation so first by picking him for Gemini to begin with and then Neil Armstrong flew in Gemini 8 
1966. So in the movie, it's it's shown he goes up into orbit, uh, and he is chosen to be the commander. And this is the mission that's gonna perform a docking maneuver so obviously when they go to the moon you have the lunar module and then the command module so obviously the lunar module drops down to the moon command module orbits the moon while they walk the moon and then the lunar module goes back up to the command module and then they fly back to earth so obviously if you watch any of these space program movies or are familiar with the space program uh, what they did was each gemini mission took on a certain function of what a lunar mission would have so they would, they would go step by step, so obviously to make sure to work out any issues or if anything goes wrong, to fix it. And then Gemini 8 was important because that was going to be the one where docking happened, and that was the most important mission up to that point. And I think they chose Neil Armstrong for that mission because they felt he was best qualified to handle anything that could go wrong. And actually, as you'll see in the movie, something does go wrong in the Gemini 8 mission, and uh, he's called into action to resolve it you know under a cool calm and collected situation so they made them the wise choice and then of course uh, and it's almost matter-of-factly portrayed in the movie uh, when uh, they start picking for apollo 11 uh, which is going to be the, the 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 lunar mission uh, they i think i don't know if easily is the right word but they pretty much tell neil armstrong you're going to be commanding apollo 11 and his response to that like it is to other stuff that he's gotten is basically you would have thought somebody told him that his uh his dry cleaning was done and uh, he can pick it up that, that was the the essence of his response to the fact that he was going to be the commander of a lunar mission uh, and then he was going to walk on the moon so again i like the movie a lot i uh i enjoyed it i think for certain people i think it may not be as satisfying because one of the things I found curious, uh, the movie when it was released in theaters pretty much met with universal acclaim. But two things happened that kind of surprised me a little bit. First off, when the movie was released, it didn't do well. And I'm not sure why it didn't do well. I don't know. I think any movie about the space program would be pretty uh, exciting for people to go watch. I don't know if when people came out and saw the movie, they expected something a little bit different here's my take on it and uh, i'll talk more about this when i review apollo 13 in uh the episode after next but i think first man is not a crowd pleasing movie in the traditional sense like if you watch apollo 13 obviously that's an inherently crowd pleasing story you have uh, a lunar mission that goes wrong and then the attempts to uh, get the astronauts back home obviously is inherently exciting and that's not to say that things in first man aren't exciting because like i said i think some of the uh, the 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 flight sequences in this movie are incredible the cinematography the sound editing the editing itself the the feeling of claustrophobia as i mentioned earlier i think is is spectacular uh, spectacular filmmaking and obviously with the ability to do things in 2019 that you didn't even have in 1995 when apollo 13 came out uh is fantastic and i think uh that's those are the strongest points of the movie uh but i do love the the moments with neil and his wife uh claire foy plays janet armstrong she does the best she can with it it's tough with these movies the a lot of times with these astronaut space movies the women really don't get a lot to do because the story is really focused on the astronaut. So uh, it's tough really to break through uh, as a wife character in one of these movies. So, uh, But she does fine. Claire Foy is a good actress. So she, she does what she can with it. 
But again, back to the question of why it didn't do well. I don't know if maybe the first people that saw this movie were not as thoroughly engaged in it as maybe they could have been and didn't have that good of word of mouth. So I don't really know. But I definitely was even more surprised by the second thing about this movie. The Oscar nominations came out a couple of weeks ago. So I figured First Man would receive several nominations. I thought maybe, you know, an acting for Gosling, maybe director Damien Chazelle uh, previously directed La La Land, which was a, a critical and Oscar darling a couple of years back. Uh, the musical that he directed, also starring uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Uh, but when the Academy Awards came out, uh, surprisingly, uh, not really anything for First Man. I think it got three or four nominations, nothing in the major categories. So it's a little surprising. And I and I guess reception from the, whether it's the Actors Guild or the Directors Guild or, or the voting members of the Academy uh, are curious to. So maybe they weren't big fans of the movie as I thought they would be, or maybe there were other stronger contenders that this became almost an afterthought. Uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. I thought it would really do much better. Uh, but that being said, I, I thoroughly enjoyed First Man. I thought it was an outstanding movie. I highly recommend it if you are a fan of the space program. I like that it took a different tact. It was a, It's a serious movie about a serious subject, uh, and it tells a story about a man that was uh, j just did his job. Um, I think for lack of a better term, I think he did his job. He did it well. He didn't let the highs get too high or the lows get too low. He was even tempered. And I think for what they needed at the time, he was the perfect choice. And you can see why he was chosen uh, for the important aspects and the important flights of Gemini and then Apollo. Uh, so Ryan Gosling's performance is, is good. It's funny, Ryan Gosling has you know, been acting for a long time. I haven't really seen that many of his films. Uh, so it was good to see him in this. I don't really, I think he's a good actor. I just haven't really seen a lot of his movies. Not for anything in particular. It's just for some reason I have not really watched a lot of his films. But he's very, very good here. I think he does a great job with Neil Armstrong. Uh, like I said, he, he doesn't have a lot to work with in the sense that it's not a flashy character it is he's a very stoic individual so i think ryan gosling obviously i'm sure did his homework on there and played it that way didn't play anything that seemed forced or seemed uh, uh out of character for what we know neil armstrong to be uh some of the other standouts uh kyle chandler who's always great he plays deke slate and he's good Corey stoll plays buzz aldrin uh if you know buzz aldrin he is a very um uh, outspoken cocky kind of pilot so in this movie, it's a great counterpoint to Neil Armstrong. So he's basically the polar opposite personality-wise of Neil Armstrong. So it's a good counterpoint uh, to have him in the movie, you know, kind of being the, the typical um, cocky pilot that, that, that uh, is full of confidence and is not afraid to let you know that he's full of confidence. So he's very good as well. Uh, like I said, it was fun to see other characters. Uh, you know, Pablo Schreiber plays Jim Lovell. He's not in the movie very much, so you don't get to see very much of him uh, doing that. And then uh, another one I want to know, Jason Clark played Ed White. So obviously he was one of the three astronauts in the in the tragic uh, fire in the Apollo 1 pre-launch. So he's in the movie uh, quite a bit early on. And He's a good actor. I know he was. Uh, he played Ted Kennedy in the Chappaquiddick movie that came out 
Uh, I haven't seen that movie, but uh, he's definitely very good in here, too. I liked him in this movie a lot. So just another performance that I wanted to point out. Again, Damien Chazelle uh, did a great job directing this film. Uh, I haven't seen his other two films, Whiplash and La La Land. Uh, but obviously, he's a director that critics love, and, and he seems to take on completely different genres of film each time out, which I'm always a big fan of when a director really just kind of goes in different directions in every single film and uh, creates good products. So I, I definitely enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed First Man, uh, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it a four Van Gogh out of five Van Gogh review. I think it's an outstanding movie. I highly recommend it. Of the three that I'm going to review for this Movies in Space series, it's not my favorite of the three, uh, but I think it's it's very, very good, and I think it's a good uh, companion piece to the other two movies. So, again, my review of First Man is four Van Goghs out of five. Um, the movie is currently on video so you can get it at redbox you can stream it you know amazon prime uh, you'd have to pay for it i don't think it's streaming anywhere for free uh, since it's brand new but like i said it's i think it's well worth it for a couple of dollars uh to spend to watch a very good movie so again this is part one of three parts for my movies in space series uh so the next episode i'm going to be reviewing the right stuff uh, this movie came out i believe in 1983 it was written and directed by philip kaufman based on the book by tom wolf uh, and that movie chronicles the mercury seven astronauts so if you don't know about that they're called the original seven so these were the first seven men that were picked uh, to be astronauts at the start of the space program. So they're the pioneers, literal pioneers of the space program. Uh, so you're going to hear about the original. So you've got John Glenn, Gus Grissom, and I don't know all, f I don't know all of them off the top of my head. I will after I watch the right stuff. Uh, but there's a couple of those in there. So that's going to be my next review. Uh, that movie clocks in at over three hours long. So I haven't seen the right stuff and probably... 25 years or so so it's going to be a really true revisit of the movie almost with fresh eyes so i want to see i remember when i saw it the first time that i completely loved it even the even the clocking at that length i don't think it ever felt that long but we'll see what happens when i watch it this time and uh, i'm looking forward to giving my review on that so again the next episode in the movies in space part two will be a review of philip kaufman's the right stuff thank you for listening to the show if you like what you heard Please subscribe on any of the following podcasting apps, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or CastBox. You can subscribe to the show's YouTube channel under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Follow the show on Twitter. The handle is at Bend Your Ear Pod. Uh, that is also the handle for Instagram. If you have any questions or comments, you can email the show. The email address is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. If you listen to the show on a different platform but have iTunes, please rate and review the show there. This will help raise the profile of the show in search results. If you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please share it on your social media. Again, thank you for listening and take care.